Hi, this is David and Barbie Cooper. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's always a privilege to share this time with you. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. And for more information and resources to help you grow in your walk with the Lord, go to malparent.com. Thank you for your generous support. It helps the ministry greatly. Thank you for joining me for the study of God's Word as we're looking at highlights from the amazing book of Hebrews. Today, we're going to talk about the only way from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. One of the key concepts that appear in many religions is the concept of the way. What is the way to God? What is the way to live? What is the way to heaven? Jesus said, I am the way. Other religions point to the way, but Jesus said, I am the way. The writer of Hebrews describes the Christian life as a new and living way. He writes, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way open for us through the curtain of his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold resolutely to the hope we profess for he, God, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us not neglect meeting together as some have made a habit, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That means the day of Christ's return approaching. You'll notice the repetitive, let us. And as you know, this is a key phrase throughout the book of Hebrews found over and over, emphasizing that the Christian life is not just an individual confession of faith. It's being part of the family of God. Now we can learn some important truths about the new and living way of the Christian life. He says, first of all, we as God's people, as Christians and followers of Christ, we are confident people. He says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. The most holy place is in the temple. It's also called the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. It represents the presence of God. That holy place, that room, represented the presence of God. Only the high priest entered the most holy place on the day of atonement. But now because of grace, we can enter confidently into the presence of God. We enter God's presence, first of all, by the blood of Jesus, because his blood cleanses us of sin and makes us righteous in God's sight. We don't enter through our works righteousness. We don't enter through our morality. We don't enter through the rituals of religion. We know that we can come to God who's holy, even though we're sinful, because our sins have been forgiven and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. That means by the completed work of redemption of Christ on the cross. He took away the sins of the world when he died for our sins. That's what the phrase, the blood of Jesus means, the completed work of Christ. We enter also through the curtain in the temple. This curtain represented the earthly body of Jesus. Now, you come into the first room of the tabernacle, the holy place, You've got the table of showbread, the lampstand, and the altar of incense. Behind that altar of incense, standing right in front of you, is a huge curtain, a big, thick, elaborate curtain. 
And it represents the body of Jesus that he had when he was in this world. Behind that curtain is the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. And how are we to get there since only the priest went in there? Well, that curtain represents the body of Jesus. He's drawing an analogy here, a comparison. When Jesus died on the cross, the curtain was torn from top to bottom by the power of God to show that we can now go to God directly. That's in Matthew 27, 50 through 51. Think about that. The moment Jesus shouted, it is finished. And the Bible says that he gave up his spirit. No one took his life. In that moment, there was an earthquake. It just shook Jerusalem. It wasn't a devastating earthquake. I've been to that part of the world and in Greece. They have earthquakes all the time. They're small tremors, but there was an earthquake. We know that there was darkness. There was a great storm that day, the Gospels tell us, and something spiritual happened. When that earthquake came, the Bible says that the curtain in the temple, also called the veil, it veiled God's glory from the people. It was torn from top to bottom. Now, religion stands at the bottom of the veil and says, we want to get to God. And we want to tear the curtain open from the bottom to the top. That would be our effort. But the curtain was huge. It was about the thickness of a person's hand. It weighed hundreds and hundreds of pounds. You couldn't have torn it. But God's hand reached down from heaven and tore that curtain. And he uses that as an analogy, that the body of Jesus was torn. His body was wounded on the cross. He's making a point that through the atonement of Jesus on the cross, God has now opened a way. Grace opens the way for you to come to God. You can't get there by your works and your morality and your religion, but you can come through this new and living way. The body of Jesus, given on the cross, bore the sins of the world, took our judgment so that we could be pardoned. And we enter into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus, by the atoning grace of our God. We enter because that veil is open for us. You can walk right in now. Before that, only the priest went in there once a year. But now you and I can walk right into the presence of God. And we enter by the priesthood of Jesus. He says we have a great priest. And the Bible tells us that he makes intercession for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 34, he's at the right hand of God interceding for us. Hebrews 7, 25, Jesus always lives to intercede for us. Think about that. He's always interceding for you. Christ believes in you. Christ encourages you. And because of his death, burial, and resurrection, our sins have been forgiven. The veil in the temple is torn. That's what prayer is all about. It's about just going to God directly as your heavenly father without worrying about whether you're perfect enough, whether you're holy enough, whether you're doing enough good works. All that's irrelevant in terms of getting to God. You can come freely as his child because of the new and living way Jesus opened for us when he died on the cross for our sins. Now, second of all, the writer of Hebrews tells us that we are cleansed. You know, in counseling, in psychology, we refer to a catharsis. And that comes from the Greek word catharsis, which is exactly the word used here in the New Testament. People go to counseling. I'm a licensed therapist. So many people come to a counselor because they want their guilt absolved. They want their conscience cleared. Guilt and anxiety will make us go to counseling more than any things in our lives. Those are the two emotions we struggle with more than any other emotions, guilt and anxiety and fear. But here we find spiritually that we can have a cleansing, an inner cleansing, a catharsis. Think of that. Not just your sins, 
but sometimes you've been hurt and wounded because of the sins committed against you. The trauma that many people have lived through because of the sinfulness of others. Sometimes people have been so hurt and traumatized that they look back and think almost that they were to blame for that. If you feel that way, that's not true. You're not to blame because of the hurt someone did to you. And maybe your psyche's wounded. Maybe the way you see yourself is wounded. Maybe your self-esteem has been destroyed because of the way you were hurt. Maybe you've done things in the past that you deeply regret. You wish you could change it all. Well, we can't go back in the past and fix it. It's what it is. It's part of our story. But you can come by the way of the cross and you can be cleansed. You can be cleansed of the hurt. It does not have to keep you living there. You can be cleansed of the fear. And yes, you can be cleansed of the guilt. Stop living in guilt and remorse and regret over what happened. At the foot of the cross, there's cleansing. And he says to us, there's a cleansing available. He says, we draw near to God. We just go right through that open veil now into the Holy of Holies with a sincere heart, genuine, not some fake plastic religion, not pretense, not hypocrisy, genuine faith, a sincere heart. That's all God asks for us. He asks for us to be real with him and full assurance of faith, not an ounce of fear. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God hears us, that God cares for us. We can go because our hearts are sprinkled, he says, with pure water. And this represents spiritual cleansing. The conscience is cleansed from guilt, he says, having our consciences cleansed. You know, Romans 81 says, there's therefore now no verdict of guilty to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, if you're in a courtroom and you're on trial, it would be the greatest relief in the moment to hear the jury declare you not guilty. But you know, when you come by the way of the cross and your sins have been forgiven, you can live every day saying, I'm not guilty of that. I've been forgiven. I've been cleansed. And he says the body, and now the body houses the whole person. And the body is mentioned in scripture. Think about your physical body houses your mind and your soul and your spirit. So it means the whole person is washed with pure water. And this is an analogy to baptism. And when we go through the waters of baptism, it reminds us of our spiritual cleansing. And the Bible talks about the spiritual cleansing of this water. We are cleansed by the washing of the living water of the word of God. Ephesians 5 and 26 says that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word. When we receive the gospel and believe in Christ as our savior, the water of the gospel cleanses our guilt. The Holy Spirit cleanses us and can cleanse your conscience today if you'll ask him. If you're traumatized, even hurt, of the past, of what people have done against you, if you're just so regretful and remorseful over your sin, ask the Lord today to cleanse your conscience. Your sins have been forgiven, but you also need your conscience cleansed. You see, people can know they're forgiven as a fact, but they don't feel forgiven. That's your conscience. The Holy Spirit, though, is like the water of redemption. Titus 3 and 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy, he saved us by the washing of the new birth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. We're not only cleansed as Christians, we're also committed. He reminds us that when we accept Christ as our Savior, we become part of the church, the family of God. We share that grace in common. And so he says, let us hold resolutely to the hope we profess. That means the confession of faith we have that Jesus is Lord of our lives. For he who promises faithful, and always remember that no matter what you go through, God is faithful to you and he's faithful to his promises. He says, hold on to the hope so that you don't lose it or allow someone to take it from you. Sometimes Christians get out around the wrong people and young people especially. 
Next thing you know, somebody is skeptical and makes them doubt their faith or makes fun of them because they're Christians and they retreat. But you don't have to let go of your hope. Don't lose your hope. Grow your faith. Don't let somebody steal it from you or take it from you. Hold on to the, the greatest treasure you'll get in this life is the hope and the faith you have in Christ as Lord of your life. He says, hold on to the hope because God is faithful to you. Hope is an expectation of the promises of God. Always hold on to hope. Never give up your hope, no matter how difficult your life may get at times and how you may sometimes wonder, what in the world is going on? How could God let this happen to me? Don't allow yourself to fall into that kind of trap of disillusionment. God will get you through whatever difficult season you hold on to the hope that God has given you. Paul reminds us of this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. He writes, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Finally, he reminds us we are a community. That's why he keeps using this phrase, let us, let us. You know, we all need each other to be strong in our faith. We need others to pray for us. We need others to encourage us. And he reminds us that we are a community and other people need us. Let us spur each other on to love and good deeds. Anytime I hear that word spur in this passage, I think of those Western movies where the cowboys are always wearing those spurs on their boots and they use it to prod the horse. What an interesting analogy and description. Let's spur each other on. Think about that. If you have a pair of spiritual spurs on it, somebody gets down or they're not motivated, just give them a little spurring on. Let's motivate each other and impel each other, push each other. Own to what? To love. If you see somebody, they've getting judgmental, they're getting cynical, go back and teach them. Say, now you need to get back in love. You need to love others and forgive others. And good deeds. If you have friends, family members, they're not really serving the Lord, they're not active in ministry, it's your job to spur them on. To say, you know, you need to get involved in church. You need to get involved in ministry. You need to be living your faith, not just believing your faith. We need to spur each other on to love and good deeds. And he says, let us meet together regularly. He says, don't give up the habit. You know, going to church is a habit. Some of you can only go to church with me online. Set a habit. Sunday comes, let's make Sunday Sunday. You know, going to church is a good habit. Just like people have bad habits, there are great habits you can have in your life. And going to church is one of the best habits you'll ever have and families ever have. He says, so let's not give up Meeting together, he says, there's some in the habit of doing. They just stop meeting together. But he reminds us how important it is for us to come together. And he says, the reason we do it is to encourage each other. So going to church and worshiping is not just vertical, giving praise to God or hearing his word. It's horizontal. It's fellowshipping with other believers. It's encouraging others as well. You are part of the body of Christ. Your ministry in the church is so important. So today I want to spur you on to love and good deeds and encourage you, let's continue to meet together, pray together, serve together, so that we can give the world hope in Christ. Join me for prayer. Lord, we thank you for this new and living way. We have been set free from the rituals of religion, set free from the sins of the past, set free from the hurt that has been brought to us because someone else injured us. I thank you today for cleansing. I pray for a miracle. I perceive, Lord, in my heart that many people need their soul cleansed today, their conscience cleansed. Some have been hurt. Some have been wounded. Some have deep regrets over something that happened in the past. Today, by the power of the blood of Jesus and the washing of the water of the Word and of the Holy Spirit, cleanse their consciences today. 
give them a new start, restore their joy in Jesus' name. I've enjoyed spending this time together with you in the Word of God. Make sure you subscribe to my podcast, the Sermon Podcast, and share it with others as well. If you don't have the Mount Parent app, you got to get it today. Go on right now and download the app. It's amazing all that you'll see there, the messages, the worship, the ministries. Look at all the ministries available for you and your family as well. Thank you for your partnership and ministry, your generous support, your faithful prayers. I'm looking forward to seeing you this Sunday for worship on campus or online and pray you have a great day. I trust the message has been an encouragement to you today. Remember to follow us on social media and connect with us at mountperrin.com. I'll see you right here next week for a fresh message from God's Word.